You're listening to the Sex, Drugs, and Jesus podcast, where we discuss whatever the fuck we want to. And yes, we can put sex and drugs and Jesus all in the same bed and still be all right at the end of the day. My name is Devannon, and I'll be interviewing guests from every corner of this world as we dig into topics that are too risque for the morning show as we strive to help you understand what's really going on in your life. There is nothing off the table, and we've got a lot to talk about, so let's dive right into this episode. Hey, 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 y'all. I love you so much. Thank you for listening, and welcome back again to another week. Dr. Vernon T. Scott is back to drop some serious bass on us, y'all. This time around, we're discussing his book, The Essential Guide on How to Be a Hoe. In this episode, we're going to get into a really deep breakdown on what exactly sex positivity is. We talk a little bit about present-day racism. We discuss personal autonomy. We challenge you on why you are promiscuous, if you are. And we ponder the question, should tops be canceled? Please enjoy. Hello, all you beautiful bitches out there. My lovely supporters, my lifelong lovers. All of you help to keep this podcast afloat. Welcome back to the Sex, Drugs, and Jesus podcast. I have with you today your favorite hoe, the host of the Ho Liliquy podcast, and also the author of a book called The Essential Guide on How to Be a Hoe. Yes. His name is Vernon T. Scott. There is a doctor ahead of that, but he don't like to talk about that too much. But she went to school and got his edification. And so we're going to give credit where credit is motherfucking due. How you doing today, Dr. Scott? You know, as the old folks say, I am blessed and highly favored. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful day. It's been a rainy ass weekend, but I'm dry as hell today. Thank the Lord. But <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's been a great weekend. I feel re-energized and I also can use a nap. So life is good. <laughs> well, amen and amen on a Tuesday afternoon as we're recording this. So we have Vernon on before y'all. As we discussed in the previous episode, if you didn't catch it, I hope you go back and catch it. We talked about his podcast, the Holiloquy podcast in depth. We talked about how he's a sexual, he is a sexual experience coach. He gave us some deep insight to how he was sexually harassed by his cousins when he was younger, which is kind of how we closed out the last episode. And so I appreciated that vulnerable story, which can also be found in his book. And so on today's show, we're going to be talking more about the book before we get into telling people exactly how to be a hoe. I wanted to just take a moment to get your thoughts on the 4th of July. From my perspective, I feel like the 4th of July has been canceled until we get a Supreme Court that has a soul. A holiday that's supposed to revolve around freedom doesn't sound very free to me when women can no longer do with their bodies what they're supposed to. Then we're going to talk about the shootings that happened on this free day. So what do you think about uh, <laughs> Not, not, not you bringing me in on some tough shit. I was not prepared. I'm prepared. So prepared. Let me start off with the 4th of July. I am definitely with you. Like, what the fuck is that? What, it's a day. It's a day that I'm off and I'm happy to be off. Thank the Lord. I get my rest. 
but I I'm with you on cancel the day like one like you said there's no freedoms to be celebrating because we you were just restricting those on a regular basis like one day we wake up guess what black people are going to be enslaved again as though like the current employment system is in a way like that's doing that or the prison system so there's that so for me i'm not celebrating the fourth until one we abolish the prison system two we get reparations for black and indigenous people across the fucking globe i'm not celebrating until women have their autonomy over their bodies because we need that. I'm not celebrating until sex workers are respected for the things that they do. I'm not celebrating until victims of sex trafficking have the resources that they need to heal for whatever traumas that they've experienced. And they are also respected in the society. So fuck the holiday. We ain't free. <laughs> well, I didn't. What, what he said, I couldn't say it no better than that, but exactly. There and I served in the military, which is what the whole thing is kind of supposed to be about. People are like, thank you, veterans, for your service and keeping our borders free. But as an as an honorably discharged veteran of the United States Air Force, fuck Independence Day. <laughs> now, on Independence Day, in 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 the Highland area of Chicago, which is supposed to be a really rich area, six people died. And like 27 people got shot the hell up. One of one of the people who died was like, I think a 76 year old man in a wheelchair because mm. this 21 year old white boy decided to go, you know, do what crazy ass white boys do, which is shoot. Exercise is privilege. Exercise is privilege. Exercise is, what is it? Second amendment right to bear arms or whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. So, and then also in Philadelphia, a shooting broke out and I know two cops got grazed. I haven't heard of any deaths from that yet. So since we're talking about fuck the 4th of July and fucking Independence Day, what do you think about these shootings that happened? And, and, and from the perspective and particularly of the fact that they went and detained this white boy, I think had he been black, he would have been shot on sight, gun or no gun. And then once they detained him, they said, we're not officially charging him yet, you know, and all of this. <laughs> so what do you think? <laughs> so I can't speak too much on the Philadelphia one, but the Illinois one, just like, what the hell? Like we have what Dylan Roof who got like fucking, was it McDonald's or Burger King after he shot up a hole? church of people we have kyle rittenhouse who what murdered two people and still had the right to dap up police officers and do whatever the hell he wants to do and now we have this one who just decides oh you know what i'm stressed out and i want to go exercise my freedom to the second amendment and shoot up some people who are just there to have a celebration of what the holiday that you're supposedly in support of because you're such a such a patriot you're such a patriot that you feel as though that you need to gun down innocent people without a weapon you're that brave you're that much of a patriot i'll get the fuck out of here and then we have you know the officers who officers who decide okay we're going to chase this person down we're going to one not try to shame any of his history we're going to we have the media that's bringing up all the positive images of this person nothing dealing with the fact that he 
assuming his family were massive Trump supporters, as though that is something that fits within his ideology of what he's what he's done. Let's go with like the Buffalo shooting. Also, within the same ideology of let's shoot up motherfuckers, even though that one was more racially based than this one. But what? It's all about terrorism anyway. So what? Terrorism doesn't have have a, a, a true race to it, other than uh, cisgender white men. But that's different. But like, yet still, with this situation, we have officers who you know did chase him down, ensure that he lived. But we also have a system of you know justice officers as they're not, who couldn't even stand up for children in Uvalde. So it's like, if you if you're going you're going to chase down to protect a white life, but you can but you can easily gun down any black life that you see, it doesn't make sense. And most of those black lives just don't have weapons on them, so it's easier to shoot them down and feign that you were what afraid of your life. If you're so afraid of your life, why are you a police officer? Aren't you supposed to be the bravest of the society? but you cannot go in and save children, but you cannot go in and disarm someone who is an active active shooter, though you have the training to do so. You cannot go in and do anything to actually support and make our communities better. You cannot even solve rape cases when you have DNA of victims, but you can kill black people and people without weapons. Sounds about white. The caucasity of it all. <laughs> but yeah, that's my stance. <laughs> well, what's again? Well, once again, what the fuck can I say after that? What can I say? What can I say? But I have been thinking about since all of these white people have been shooting up people, you know, black people, you know, there's shootings everywhere, but I. I can't think, has it ever happened where a black person or anybody who's not white has killed like 20, 30 people in a public setting? Well, well, I can't say 20, 30, but there was that situation in New York, New York subway, where it was a black man who was going around. I think it was either a bomb threat and I think he did shoot some people, I think about six, but you know, that's being blasted. Well, it, it within that media media cycle, it was blasted everywhere, even on Fox News, as though that's not racist as hell. And then you have, I think, about five six years ago, there was that one. That I don't know if he was law enforcement or a part of the military who was gunning down police officers, and they were extremely scared. And I think he killed two or three. But other than that, not too many. If anything, it will be shrouded as gang violence, as though, you know, we don't have a lot of white militia gangs out here that's murdering people left and right without that title. So I don't know too many gang members who are just out here having mass shootings after mass shooting after mass shooting. Right. And like I heard someone say, I was listening to the Morning Joe podcast earlier. One of the guests that they had on there was talking about how all of these like basically white mass shooters 
they put on this persona of being like lone sheep and everything like that. But basically they are all connected. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're saying it, it's like a, it's like a long distance relationship sort of gang. They all have the same motives, the same motivation, the same, same modus operandi, the same end result. You have like a lone white boy who had access to weapons who he can just walk in the store and get. And, and he had an agenda against people for whatever reason. He was angry. He was bitter. It's like they're isolated, but not really. It's not really, not really. The other misnomer is that they have some type of mental health disorder. I know plenty of people who have mental health disorder who's not out here shooting up people. Shit, we talked about this on the last episode. I have like five. I'm not out here mass killing people i'm not massacring motherfuckers because i don't i don't have that in my heart to do so like it, mental health has nothing to do with these decisions that these people are making consciously they thought about this they planned it and they enacted it that's nothing dealing with mental health that's a conscious decision even though even if they might not be in the right state of mind as some people might try to put it but within their reality within their perspective they are doing this willingly and they're pursuing that. Right. So, so what you're saying is they didn't just flash out one day and have a panic attack or a nervous breakdown. You know, you saw the social media posts leading up to the date. You have all the receipts. So they slowly planned, bought the weapons, got the ammunition, staked out the plates. This wasn't like a mental break. This wasn't a mental snap. You're saying this was premeditated manslaughter. <laughs> this is premeditated as January 6th. That's all I can say. <laughs> We all saw it. <laughs> We're just like, so y'all, y'all not gonna do anything? Y'all not gonna do anything? Oh, it's December 21st. So y'all motherfuckers ain't gonna do anything? You're not gonna, okay, you're not gonna do anything. Okay, it's January 1st, y'all. It's New Year's. Are we, are we still not doing anything? They already said they're meeting. It's, they're meeting in five days. They said what they're doing. So we're, not going, we're letting this happen? Okay, us in Georgia. Okay, let's go ahead and make sure we get these votes in. Okay, Georgia ballots have been recounted and everything. Everything's still good. Mind you, tomorrow's the big show. <laughs> oh, God. And so Black and Brown and Indigenous people don't have the luxury of sitting around trying to plan massacres and slaughters. You're always going to have your exceptions, but by and large, we spend our energy trying to figure out how to get food every day, how to not get shot in the back every day, how to run through our neighborhood safely every day, mm. how to feel, ex feel accepted and try to go places where we're not going to be rejected and kicked out. Every race has its issues, but white people predominantly perpetuate this mass shooting violence. Even me, when I plan on to go on trips and stuff like that, I have to look at, okay, where am I going to travel? Am I going to be accepted as being black there? There's places here in Louisiana. We know the claim, the Ku Klux Klan is still around. So I can't pull off at every rest stop or at every city, even today in the year 2022. So I have to say, do I really want to go to this Iron Belt state or this Midwestern state? Is there anything, is there anyone there who might try to pull a Matthew Shepard on me and, you know, and tie me to a fence and kill me? So I can't just like, I don't feel free enough to just go anywhere in the globe. I have to stop and give a pause and say, will I be safe there? You know, this is not, you know, I got all this to think about. I don't have time to be going to shoot up people. Mm -hmm. You have to be comfortable enough 
and, and pl pleasant enough in life to have time to exert energy into violence. And I just don't have it. Look, I'm glad that you mentioned Alaracis. That's Alabama. I, I call it by its name, Alaracis. And in order to, like, whenever I know I have to travel through there, I have to make sure, okay, am I going to be going through Montgomery or Birmingham to make it through, through this damn state? Those are the only two places I am comfortable with gassing up my vehicle. If I am not going, okay, Huntsville too. If I'm not going to go through any of those, oh, I'm gassing up before I even entered into that state. And if I'm going to Florida, oh, I'm, I, my gas tank is, is running on the Lord's energy because I'm not trying to stop in Florida until I get to my damn destination. And I'm not trying to travel at night because I don't know those cities like that. Oh, no, Lord. Mm -mm. Like these are the these are the things that we have to think about quite frequently because it's too much crazy shit out here. Everybody's against you everywhere you go. Like I'm just trying to have a good time. I'm trying to torch some ass on a beach somewhere, <laughs> but no, just because I'm trying to have fun is scary to you. My my current kink is making white people sick with my happiness because oh my god, I will be in in my vehicle, driving around, minding my own business with my songs, pl uh, playing very loud and happy as a motherfucker and loving that they're disappointed that I'm not sad. It's a kink. I know that's right. <laughs> get, off, <laughs> get off on it, motherfucker. Get off on it. Look, does my happiness offend you? Mm. <laughs> Deal with it, bitch. And so... So, so the book is called An Essential Guide on How to Be a Hoe. So you, you, I read through this book, and thank you so much for sending it over, Vernon. And I'm very happy that you wrote it for you because I could see that you've got a lot of rage out in, this, in, in these pages and everything like that. And authorship is very cathartic. And so whether it's writing poetry or writing a blog or writing a journal or writing a book, writing is therapy. You know, and writing therapy is something that is often prescribed in mental health settings. And I'm so happy that you are able to have this experience for your own mental health. So at the top of the book, you really get into a lot of what the book is not. And so I want you to give us like your take on that. You know, you were telling us how it's not how to be a fuck boy or a fuck girl and definitely not slut shaming. So what is the book not? So all of those things. It's not a space for you to think that, oh, this book is going to give me the guide of how I could play the game. This this book is going to tell me how I can toy with other people's emotions, toy their feelings for me, to trick them into thinking that I'm I'm the best man or woman that they ever want to be with. And then I can just dog whoever I want to want to dog. It's not a place of saying that, oh, just because you're going by the title of hoe, you are a degradation to society. No, it's a space of learning that it's okay to be such. It's okay for you to be proud of who you are. It's also, it's not a space to justify a lot of the miseducation that we've received as we've aged about how we should be in relationships rather than who we are within our relationships. Because that is something that varies per person and per couple, per throuple, per however poly you want to be. Something that varies because we don't all live the same life. So why try to force people to be something that they're not? Mm-hmm. Tell a friend. And <laughs> Then, then I want you to talk about, you know, you, you mentioned how some people like to use religion 
to come for people who want to be sex positive. So speak to me your mind about how, how religion can be used to try to contain people. So within a lot of religious circles, especially when you have Southern Baptist Christians or even just Christianity in general, how sexuality is taboo. You're not supposed to talk, talk about that with your family, your friends, your lovers, which is also something that's very concerning. It would always been concerning to me. Like, how am I supposed to have sex with the person? And I can't have the conversation about sex with the person. It doesn't make sense. But it's always been used as a way, a tool to restrict people in how they express themselves sexually. I remember growing up, Hearing that, oh, a Christian should never, you know, participate in mutual masturbation or oral sex or anything that's considered sodomy because, you know, sodomy and Gomorrah or Sodom and Gomorrah, like (laughs) totally fucked up that. But, you know, how that is a lesson from the Bible of how you should not be out here having sex and being wild with other people. And I'm just like, but. I don't get that message when I read those verses. I did not get that in anything. As I grew older and revisited those chapters, I'm like, okay, is it possible that within, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah that they were raping a lot of people? And that was a, the offenses that the Lord found extremely unhealthy within that society and it was like you know what let's destroy some shit is that is that not a possibility it because all this stuff that you're that a lot of the preachers were bringing to me to educate me on what that message is i'm like i'm not finding the evidence in this text i'm not finding anything that's really talking about homosexuality other than lay with men are but it's okay like this is going on the double standards it's not okay for men to lay with men, but it's okay for women to lay with women. So both of those are homosexual relationships. That's not, that doesn't make sense. Like, just all of those things have been taught within a lot of re- religious circles. And it's just trying to unpack those to just see exactly, okay, who am I? within the sexual space or outside of religion, where do I find myself when it comes to, you know, sexual expression? Yeah. In terms of like the whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing, I did like a whole three part series that dissected those clobber passages. And I would recommend people to go back and find them because we broke it down. I agree with what you're saying. And I did that with a Dr. Mar, 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 Marcia Ledford, who was a you know, a pastor and everything like that and a, within a gay affirming religion. And, and I agree, you know, people have got to learn how to read these scriptures for themselves and, and understand just how subjective the interpretation is and everybody can read the same text and come out of, come out of it with whatever it is they want. Ergo, we have all of these different interpretations of one text. There's so many different interpretations of the Bible because everybody has a different take on it. What's not okay is for one person to feel like the way they think is the way everyone else should think. And then mm-hmm. after we get into this whole anti-abortion, anti-every damn thing, because somebody's trying to say my view of ethics and morality should be everyone else's view. And then that, which is complete bullshit. And it's also arrogant. And it's also how people become a hypocrite and fall into the sin of hypocrisy because the Lord never told you to straighten everybody else out. 
which is mm. why we stopped Paul Saul on the road to Damascus. You know, everybody always marvels about the road of the Dama road to Damascus conversion, but I look at it as God stopping somebody from trying to go control other people, you know, which is what he was going to go do. He was going to go be a typical fucking evangelical Republican and the Lord told him <laughs> or set his ass down somewhere. So we, how can we be, can we be sex positive and still have a relationship with God? Oh, definitely. Like there's even something called spiritual sexuality. If somebody wants to go dabble into that, it's, it's most, it's mostly on how your sexual being relates to your spiritual being, which can also relate to your religious being. But it's <clears throat> in, in my perspective, because I'm not really a religious person, not anymore. It is figuring out where does your sexual expression meet your religion based off of your perspective and how your religion then can enhance your spirituality and just finding that type of balance. So yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I mean, you're right. And I would just, I was, I would just like to remind everybody that it was God that invented sex, mm. you know, not humans, not the Catholic church, not any church or denomination and what man has a tendency to do, you know, is to try to take ownership of something and try to package it and rebrand it and sell it to you. Like they're the experts on it when really that's not the case. And, and the same thing goes for the whole Bible. The same thing goes for so many things in this earth that people, you know, try to, to just, they, to just try to take over. So just remember God created sex. And so when you have questions about it, I suggest you pray and go to him. Mm. Go and ask no damn preacher, you know, don't go and ask nobody, you know, if you're going to ask them, be sure you ask God too, because the person who gave you a sex drive, who crafted your body so that your dick can get hard and your pussy can swell and get wet was God. It was not people. I like to go to the head of the organization. And so if I want to find out about this body, I'm going to go to God, the one who made it first, before I go to anybody else, don't you let people tell you what to do with your body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I forget which friend this was. It might've been high school, but they were, I think it was high school. This person, they were referring to the Bible because they read the Bible on a regular basis. And they were like, hey, did you ever realize that the story of Adam and Eve can really be a sex tale. It's just a, a discussion about how people have sex. And after they brought that to my attention, I actually sat back and thought about that. Even when it comes to the snake and the apple and all that, how those in themselves can be innuendos for the penis and the, the vulva. And when, you know, you, you mix some things up in a person and the female or the woman gives birth, there's always going to be some kind of cramp, some contractions. And that's the thing, rather than it being about sin, it's about, okay, we have sex. Here's your sex lesson. Who am I to say otherwise? <laughs> I'm open to all kinds of perspectives on things and stuff like that. And, and that, and that may work for some people, if they don't want to take a literal interpretation of it, go with it. You know, the important <laughs> thing is to open your mind to the possibilities of what may be. And then 
and whatever you do, not to think against other folks. Now, I might not agree with that. I might choose to say, you know, that the story might be more literal, but that I'm not going to tell your friend that he's wrong. You know, I'm not going to say that I disagree. You know, I think he's going to go to hell for thinking that or anything like that. I might be like, okay, that's cute. But you know, everybody has to decide what they think about everything. You can't, Mm -hmm. you have to make a fucking choice. And the beauty of it is that we don't have to agree. I love how beautiful that is. I've never heard of that before. So I need time to meditate on that. (laughs) So tell me what the book is. We talk about what it ain't. You've kind of touched on it, but is there anything more else you want to say about what the book is? I will say the book in general is about understanding who you are as a sexual being and owning that and appreciating who you are and understanding and knowing the importance of personal autonomy and consent when it does come to your daily lives. Because consent is not something that only sticks to sex. You have to consent to things every single day. One of the things, like most when I was life coaching, one of the things I will ask some of my clients is have you consented to yourself and as and some people don't they just allow other people to dictate whatever they do with their lives or they allow others influences to hinder their decisions on what's best for them and consenting to yourself is allowing yourself to take control of what you do in your life and you'd be surprised at having how many people just said no to that Child, if you can't love yourself, as Mama Maru would say, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Mm-hmm. So many of our issues in this life re- revert back to a lack of self-love and self-acceptance. And so in the book, you really, really talk a lot about whether or not a person's going to find the content offensive and, and something like that. And you... And he said very often, you know, if it's not for you, it's not for you, you know, move on to the next chapter, you know, and stuff like that. And then and this is just, you, you know, I mean, in there, you say you hope the person, the reader doesn't find it offensive, but if they do, you have like a lot of warnings and stuff like that, you know, as, <laughs> as I read through it. But what I found to be curious and very interesting and very warming and heartening and endearing is that. You know, you said if the person does find something offensive, you challenge him to find out why they find it offensive. You know, you're not saying you find it offensive, go fuck off, but you challenge people who have opposing views from you. Where are you getting that from? So Mm -hmm. speak to me about why you challenge the reader to do a gut check and find out why they're offended. I I will say it's because we often don't know other, other people's stories. We make them ourselves. And sometimes you do have to look at situations at face value and if there's nothing to really indicate like oh this person is completely transphobic or something like that where does it say that where does it show that why are you getting that message is there something that you received from other people that said that oh based on this phrasing this person's transphobic one of the things that i did within the book to ensure that people are, they feel accepted when reading it because uh, some people might fall into that space of, okay, this person is being very gender uh, specific in their writing, but this is supposed to be something about all people. Technically speaking, 
as I mentioned in the book, I wrote it for African-American masculine presenting people as like the target audience, but I wrote it so that it's something that other people can read it and still, you know, connect with. Like even the sex scene between, I think Jordan and Aubrey, I think that's their names. I forgot. But even with that, I purposely chose not to utilize any like gender specific or sex uh, specific sex organs because why? What's the person purpose of doing that if you cannot put yourself in that scene? And let's say even if someone goes into that consent chapter and they find out, oh my God, how dare he say that? Why is this conversation about consent something that you are pushing against? Because all I'm providing is the facts of, of the matter based off of my actual research on it. Now, of course, things within consent can vary. It truly can. Most definitely you come, come bring in personal autonomy. But what is that pushback coming from? Because I remember m multiple times whenever I even held a consent workshop, right? Some of the people there, most definitely when it comes to like, you, you don't have ownership over your wife. They're like, oh no, we're in this marriage together. I own all of her actions. And I'm like, no, your wife is a whole nother person. Like they have personal autonomy. Mm -hmm. You should not be trying to control them. So that's why I tell people to challenge themselves to figure out why do you believe that? Why do you feel as though you have ownership over your spouse solely because y'all are y'all signed a contract with each other rather than seeing them as a whole nother individual? I like for that same thinking to be extended into all areas of our lives. You know, I challenge everyone, any belief you have, why do you believe what you believe? Mm. You know, if you can't answer that question, well, then you're running off of somebody else's playbook for your life. Mm. And sometimes it feels good to do that because it gives you power and control over other people, but in trying to gain power and control over other people, you lose power and control over yourself. It's a, tr it's a tricky thing, but the Lord said it like this in the Hebrew Bible. He said that it's possible for a man to take a whole city and not have control over themselves. Mm. See? So it's easy to go and conquest somebody else, but you have no control over yourself. You see? Child, that sounds like government. Oh, it is. The Lord is speaking <laughs> to many, 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 many people, any sort of person or entity that wants to rule another person, be it one person in a relationship wanting to dominate another, or the government overreaching or whatever, all that energy could be turned internally and then you could improve yourself rather than trying to fuck with other people. Mm -hmm. Now you said in the book that being sex positive does not necessarily equate to promiscuity. I want you to preach about that because <laughs> there was certain somebody in my life and I'm not, they shall remain nameless, you know, the other day. <laughs> I'm, joking. I'm joking. You know, there's a certain somebody, you know, say the name, <laughs> say their name, say the name, <laughs> you know, who their interpretation, they were like, I'm sex positive. And this person was sleeping with four to five different people per week. 
and there was a whole argument thing that happened and they were like, you know, I'm sex positive. I can have as much sex as I want. And I was like, I don't think that being a, you know, sleeping with 20 different people a month is the same thing as sex positivity. And so when I saw this in your book, you know, it, it triggered that old anger that I had toward him. <laughs> so I'd like you to just preach on that. So the thing is, if you want to be a pro promiscuous person, be a promiscuous, promiscuous person and own that and just just be like, look, I love having sex and that's fine. But that does not necessarily mean that you're sex positive because sex positivity means that regardless of how any person chooses to express their sex, as long as it has consent involved, you don't care. You are just like, I'm here for you. I'm not shaming your kinks. I'm not doing anything like that. I want you to be successful in how you out here fucking or not fucking or whatever the case is. Like, you can be out here doing osmosis for all I care. I, if you are, I want to know how the fuck that thing is going on. Like, teach me how to osmosis, bitch. I want to know. <laughs> but, like, if, in terms of promiscuity, you have to ask yourself, am I promiscuous because I'm hurt and I'm trying to escape from that in other bodies? Am I finding love in other bodies because I don't love myself? Like, what is going on? Like, if you're not, if a person's not necessarily digging deep to figure out why they're sleeping with multiple people outside of, I just love the pleasure of it, then there's something that is going on with you that you might need to, you know, check on. I, I don't know that person. I can't write their story. But if if you have to, here's my thing. Whenever I have meetings with uh, past clients and they say, I'm the type of person that, okay, this is you scripting who you are rather than showing who you are. I don't, you don't have to preface, I'm the type of person that does this all the time. Now, if you choose to do that, I get it. You just want to make sure people know that this is who you identify as, whatever. That's cool, whatever. But are you really that person? Is your actions meeting up to these words that you're actually providing to other people? If you have to start off in speaking about your sexuality by saying, I'm sex positive all the time, you, you might not be sex positive as you think you are. You probably might be out here shaming every single person who's having less sex than you or more sex than you or just the same amount. And you just don't realize it because, hey, I'm going to use that sex positive so I can say something completely shady and off the hinges and I don't want anybody to shame me against that or correct me or respond to my personal actions. So it's like multiple lenses to look at that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not the same thing. One is allowing others to be themselves and the, and the latter is I'm just fucking. <laughs> be it through trauma, be it through love for self or healing. I challenge everyone to, to search for why, why they have sex. Like, what do you view it as? You know, anybody who, who wants to like try to have sex with me, I want to know, okay, what are your views on sex? What do you get out of it? How do you know? We have to have a conversation in my, when I'm in my late teens and it was just like, you have a hard dick at work, stick it in. You know, but I don't go back and try to hide behind the number of sex positivity. No, I wasn't being sex positive. I know I was trying to patch up a hurt heart by jumping in the beds of as many men as I could get each week, far more than five sometimes per week. 
but I never tried to act like it was cute or it was a positive thing. I knew I was damn that, you know, and I was, you know, had a bad relationship with my dad and everything. And I wanted to find this in the hands of as many masculine men as I could. So I, I'm never going to be like, oh, that I was being sex positive. No, I was being, I was taking unnecessary risks because I didn't know how to heal. And so I just wanted to bring that up because I do think that term sex positive gets tossed around at times as an excuse, mm-hmm. you know, and it hasn't been very deeply, you know, really wrung out the way that you just did. And I'm just going to leave it at your words. I can't say it no better. The... And even on top of that, I, I don't know if I put this in the book or not. If I did, I forgot I put it in there. But about it's it's related to celibacy. I know I mentioned, you know, people should be celibate. Well, try that and, you know, experience how they are. If you are a person who's out here being promiscuous or whatever, try being celibate and see if you see what advances or what changes in your life and set the rules of what your celibacy looks like and what some people want to use abstinence. I don't care. It's interchangeable at this point. I don't give a damn. But set the rules on what that looks like for you. But take a break from sex for real and figure out if you really are sex positive or you are you are going through damage. Because in my like, I lost my Virginia at age nineteen. Well, willing lost my Virginia at age nineteen, and with with that, my body count went from zero to like eight. And this is within like a six month time frame. And I was reflecting and I was like, hold up, I'm out here wilding. What the fuck is going on with me that I'm over here just accepting sex from anybody who's actually going to agree to have sex with me? And by taking that break, it was two and a half years. I learned that, okay, yeah, you do have a little bit of sex trauma that you have not dealt with. So you got to deal with that. You are allowing other people's what their their slight embrace of you show that they do have true affection for you even though they don't you are just you are out here lowering your standards just for that quick hookup you're better than this and just taking that time away from sex after having sex allowed me to see myself in a better light and also find a stronger sense of self-worth so that when I do go out, go back in these streets, these streets these days is a mess. So I, 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 for a Yelp review, zero out of zero, I do not recommend these streets are bad. They need to close down business. Fuck the, fuck the streets, but no, don't fuck the streets. (laughs) 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 The streets needs to be celibate y'all, but like, I learned so much about myself from taking that break. And even for that friend, take a break. Like, figure out who you are. Figure out what's really going on. Go to therapy uh, <laughs> and see and fill that hole that you're trying to fill with dicks and cum. That's all I'm saying. You better preach, bitch. And so, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the book name. You, in a central guide on how to be at home, I'm always interested in why people title the books as such. And in the book, you know, as such they do. In the book, you give us a breakdown on the, it, 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 on the etymology of the word whore and why you choose to spell ho as H-O-E and not H-O. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I had to do that because one that the word hoe in general has a special place in my heart because I've been called a hoe so many times throughout my life. And this is before I was even sexual, y'all, like out here holding hoe. But I, I always was fixated on the fact that, okay, why is it just spelled H-O? And it, within the Black community, we utilize that word in so many different ways. And even when you have the whore side, the W-H-O-R-E, that has different conjugations that are very grammatically correct. And whenever you look at ho, H-O, and you, yeah, you can add I-N-G, you can add all this other things to it, but it's, it doesn't look right. It never looked to be like a correct term, however I try to put it places. But whenever you put the E on there, it looks like a word that can be it can be conjugated it can be changed it can be you can use it in different sets of your lives you know i am hoeing i was hoeing i hold all of these because you added that extra length of you know grammar to it so that's one of the reasons why i decided to you know let's go ahead and use this with the e because one I, i'm i'm always tired by the fact that in this country we look at aave ebonics whatever you want to call it as though it's a lesser language as but people don't realize that aave is the cornerstone of what's making american literature and language great like the the like the slang that a lot of people use these days come from what aave it comes from african-american vernacular english it comes from our interactions with our own people it comes from our conversations like motherfuckers was not out here saying twerk like that and then you know of course yin yang twist whistle while you twerk and shit because yes but it's like we are making the language so put some respect on our names and make sure that our words that we use in however we choose to interchange them are grammatical in every single way Mm -hmm. I ho, I ho, so off to work I go. <laughs> yes, yes. Child about to put on some, like some knee-high heels or some shit, because now, now you got me wanting to ho. Mm. Yes, Lord. <laughs> so I'm going to read a quote, which I have a slight amendment to, which I will just point out. So you said, from the book, you said, for those of you who say that a hoe is someone, especially a woman, and I'm going to add or bottom with low morals, jump off your high ass pedestal. I hope you land in your own business because that is what you need to mind. Yes. Tell me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but tell me why you said that. Because everybody who it's the judgment of it all, like you out here calling women hoes because they're having sex with multiple people. Why? Because men are praised for doing the same thing. So you're obviously putting yourself on a higher standard or a higher pedestal than other people who are doing the exact same thing as you jump off. If this person is considered a low standard because they're doing what you're doing, get the fuck off. You don't deserve to be up there. Jump into your own fucking business. Mind your business. Mind your motherfucking business. Because, hey, I, look, this is how well, I tell people. I did not give you a dime, quarter, or penny. So I'm not paying for you to be over here. So mind the business that pays you. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, this reminds me of like from the Hebrew Bible when Jesus was going through the village and there was the town whore or whatever, everyone was gonna stone because in their opinion, she had had too much dick, slept with too many married men, had too much sex or whatever. Jesus found me, I know. <laughs> he found the girl. <laughs> and he also loosed you and said, he who is without sin cast the first stone and they couldn't say anything. You know, my whole thing is this. She didn't become the town whore by masturbating. You know, the, the men in the town, somebody had to help her along this journey to, to reach the status, <laughs> to reach this level in her life. And so in society, you know, if a woman is shamed or a bottom is shamed, you know, it's like, so even me, you know, when I used to run around Baton Rouge, high on meth, trying to get dick from all these different guys, you know, I developed a bad reputation. But my whole thing was this, I wasn't doing the drugs by myself. I wasn't the only one in the damn room and whatever sex I did have, I didn't reach my own dick around and stick it into my own asshole. So, I mean, so, so I mean, I'm fucking somebody. So I, I am fucking somebody. I'm doing the drugs with somebody, you know, or seven guys can fuck the same girl at the same time, which is totally cool. If that's what eight people want to do. But why is she the slut? But the seven dicks that was just in her are not. <laughs> you came here and you came <laughs> like I'm the slut because I'm the one who wanted to have all this pleasure. Then you just fuck the most up for those who are who love breeding kinks. Why are you just fucking six other niggas? I don't know if you, I'd say it on your. I'm sorry. You can say anything you want, dark. Oh my God, were you the one that was? Coming back and fucking six other motherfuckers come out, 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 out of this pussy, this asshole, whatever, you, this mouth. Where, where are you? Where are your children? Your could, could have been aborted children swimming all up in this over here. But I'm the whore. I'm the whore. Aren't you the one fucking the whore? What does that make you? If you think I'm bad and you're fucking the whore. So does that mean you're less annoyed? Are you upset about that? Come on, let's talk about it. You can lay your hand on this dick, okay? Let's <laughs> lay your head on the dick. That's all you need to do. Yes. Please the whore. Continue to please the whore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then enough said on that. So, and I guess, no, it's not. Because, you know, people, and you, and you mentioned this in your book in several places that basically... The negative, when people spew negativity towards other people, it's reflecting a fracture and brokenness within that person, mm. the negativity. I heard it said this way, you can't give away what you don't have. So when you're broken, you go about the business of trying to find fault in other people. Another version of this, seven guys can go and fuck the same girl or bottom or whatever, and just be like, you know what? That was a good experience. The end. You don't have to have the negative adjectives thrown in there to try to, to try to make yourself you shouldn't have to step on somebody else to make yourself feel better. Mm -hmm. Don't have a damn problem. Why can't you just be a really fun girl and y'all a bunch of fun guys and it was a thing, it was great, and you hope to do it again? Why do you have to go and drag her through the mud? Like, why? <laughs> yeah. We came here for sex and we had sex and was, did you enjoy yourself? If the answer is yes, great. 
if the answer is no, okay, then we don't have to meet up again. Right. Because what would, what would the guys do if all the women and all the bottoms closed, we closed our legs up and decided not to let you in anymore because we, we get tired of you talking about us. Y'all not going to want to fuck each other because y'all was so like anti having your assholes injured. Some of y'all, you know, then what would you do? You know, when we if we're no longer available, we're, we're no longer an option. <laughs> All I got to say, if you a bottom out here on these streets, find you another bottom because the sex is better. And that's that on that. Start a relationship and everything. And then if you feel as though you need a top, open up your relationship. Use that motherfucker. Don't make it permanent. They can't get right. They don't deserve you. For the women out here, get you some girlfriends. Those who like, who are into women, of course. Get you some girlfriends. Enjoy your time. If you need to get the fleshy dick every now and again, open up your relationship. Invite that motherfucker in and then let him go. And see and see how long it takes until these motherfuckers get their lives straight. What, what did they say in that Medea movie? <laughs> They'd be all right. They might be all right. They may not be. It is no longer our concern. Mm-mm. Well, what did people say? So in your book, you said you polled your friends, your family, and you even said passers-by, how they define a hoe. And your results were ultimately kind of like inconclusive. What did you find that people were saying? The, the two that stood out to me was people define a hoe as somebody who's had sex with more than five people. I thought that was a random-ass number for someone to come up with. And then the other one was somebody... Oh, it was a, a bitch with loose pussy. So <laughs> I had a whole Google Doc of people's responses. And even on these apps, looking at what people say or what they called other people hoes for, almost oh, definitely back back in the day on Jack, reading people's profiles and talking about, oh, I don't fuck with hoes. And then they have a description of what the hoe is supposed to be. All of that provided a lot of good details on where people think now the numbers people that's the thing that really got me now i just use five as like uh well whatever number i use as just a uh relative sample but people would have some random ass numbers oh if they had sex with six people okay how many people have you had sex with like how's that a person that's a hoe that's me the more bodies you have the more experience points just make sure you being safe out here that's all that's all get your experience points up be level 99 i don't give a damn but it's like why why do you have a set number like is it and it's rarely even one person like it's not like if they have sex with one person they're automatically a hoe and i think the reason why it was never one is because the person who's providing that definition had sex at least once and they don't want to see themselves as being you know a whore just because they had a failed relationship with somebody or because they had a hookup with somebody and it didn't work out and i and i think some of it also stems from the thought that some guys just don't want to date a version too so having that window of having at least your first sexual experience you know that they've been out there a little bit so just having that one person 
means that, okay, they've had it before. Now they have some idea. I hope it was bad. So whenever I'm with them, I can give them the good dick and they can stay with me or whatever. And then there were also those people, because over the years I learned that men tend to go, this was also another research thing that I looked into, but men tend to overestimate their sexual partners and women underestimate their sexual partners solely to make men more comfortable when they do talk about their sexuality or, or their sexual histories. So I think that's where, why, you know, you get those random ass numbers because they're either trying to not project that they view themselves as a hoe because they've had so many bodies. So they trying to put, project the responsibility of not being a hoe onto the woman or it's whatever. Now in terms of what was the other part? Oh, loose ass pussies. <laughs> that one always bothered me because that tells me that this person doesn't even know the basis of anatomy and how the vote, the vaginal canal or the anus works because it's no such thing as a loose pussy. It's just your dick might not be as big as you thought it was. And you got open space. You're not comfortable with that. Now there is <laughs> somebody's triggered. There is a such thing as, you know, it being it's lacking elasticity. And that can be due to tearing. That can be caused by somebody not respecting the other person's body enough to let them relax properly so that they keep the tightness of whatever sex organ you're using. Or it can just be them having multiple sex, but within a day, shit usually just gets right back normal. Now, if you have sex with someone with like a, a girthy, a penis, then it might take a couple of days, but it usually doesn't take su such a long time for the anal canal or even the vaginal canal to just, you know, restrict back to its normal size. So loose vaginas and loose anuses is not really a thing. Wop, wop, wop. That's some wet ass pussy. That's <laughs> 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 so you mentioned the word consent earlier but y'all in his book he actually i felt like preached a whole sermon about consent it's like it's really a soapbox you know a hill that you're willing to die on so i want you to dig deeper into why the fuck consent is such a big deal and spin in what rape culture is oh child you you asking me to do all my research in this podcast lord jesus okay <laughs> so yeah consent that is definitely the soapbox i will definitely die on and be proud and y'all not going to take me down because that legacy is going to live on it's just like try if you want to but like the importance of consent is that many people don't even know how complex consent is it's a very simple yet complex thing. So, of course, yes means yes, no means no, and maybe does not exist. But that's not all. Like, there's a legal side of consent, and then there's a personal side of consent. Legally, if you decide to have drunk sex with a partner, like, 
you're conscious, conscious, and you're able to articulate yourself and be responsible at the same time. Legally, just because you had a sip of alcohol and you had sex with that person or that person had sex with you, they broke the law. But in terms of personal autonomy, you have not done anything wrong. You did what you were wanting to do with somebody that you trusted. So that's another discussion. And on top of that, because we are not taught what consent is, we often do things that are violations to other people's bodies. For instance, those people who think that just because my partner said yes, they cannot end sex at any time, or just because they said yes to sex, that means I can take the condom off. That's not consent. That is not they do not know that you're doing that. And even using that excuse, which some people have used on me before, you didn't feel that wasn't there? No, condoms are made thin as fuck. You have bare skin condoms for that reason to, so that the person who is penetrating, it feels essentially as though they, there's no barrier there for the most part. So most people don't feel it if you do not have a condom on or not. Now, if it's a thick-ass magnum condom, more than likely a person might feel it, but there's no guarantee. So expecting them to be responsible with telling you not to have sex with them without a condom because you took it off is inappropriate because you're the one who has the condom on already. You have to communicate with them communicate that with your sexual partner. If not, you violated their bodies. And even having that discussion may trigger a person because now they think of themselves as being a rapist, which is also something within rape culture that I'm probably going to get into. Well, I'm definitely going to get into rape culture a lot deeper, but now this person thinks that they're a rapist. They definitely sexually assaulted a person. When it comes to rape, there's power that has to be uh, present. There's what else? You need power. You also have to have a higher level of aggression, rape myth acceptance. And you also, there's a lot of factors to it. Dominance, authority within that situation. There's a lot. And not all rapes are violent. Let's put it that way. But. There's a lot of factors that do go into making a rape. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're a rapist if you do that, but you did sexually assault somebody. There we go. Deal with the consequences of those actions. I'm not here. I'm not your lawyer. I can't tell you exactly what that's going to be. Now, in terms of rape culture, that is just a culture that minimizes and accepts rape or any kind of sexual assaults, most definitely those that, that go, come against women. And rape culture has different factors to it. That can be victim blaming. That can be slut shaming. That can be sexualized jokes. It can be... Oh, it's been a while. It can be alcohol usage and drug usage to intoxicate a person so that you can have sex with, the, with them without the intent of having their consent, their the express consent. It can be the violent side of rape. It's so much shit. Rape culture in general has over, oh, hypermasculinity is part of rape culture, but it has more than like 
14 or so factors to it. And part of my research, just to put that out there, is I learned after I completed my dissertation that I wrote on systemic rape culture. And that is how rape culture presents itself in different systems that can be within the workplace, policy creation, government entities, our businesses, our police officers, all of that. So, yeah, it's <laughs> rape culture. But we we see it in our everyday lives. You might see it through a court case where a victim is sexually assaulted and the perpetrator only gets like two months because rape is seen as a less serious a less serious offense than murder or she was a, it's considered a less serious offense than like carrying marijuana. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you for the breakdown. Look, don't be worried about it if you can't, couldn't remember all the points, you know, it, like they say in church, you just tell on it. You can't tell at all. Tell <laughs> true, true. People want to know more, you know, they can reach out to you and stuff like that. Cause we're not trying to give away the whole book, you know, just a little teaser. People need to go buy the thing, child. You're right. So, <laughs> And so talk to me from the book about the game. Now I had never heard this shit broken down like this before. And I think I may have played this game before and certainly have been involved in it. Now you describe the game as a childish behavior for supposed adults. In another quote, you said the term scoring gamifies sexuality and sexual encounters. It provides a point value that does not fully equate to the full value of a person and their self-worth. Preach about the game. So the game, the game, the game is all like, like you said, it's all about scoring. It's how many bodies can I catch? How many people can I have sex with? Essentially it's about how can I influence this person to think that, oh, look, I love you. I want to be with you. I'll be your world. I can bring this to you. I can make you feel satisfied. I just want to be your man to ease a person. And I know somebody was just like, hold up, burden. Yeah, I can get that. <laughs> but, uh, but they can, they fall, tend to fall for the person and have that expectation that they want something more than just the sex. And then they have sex with that person and just leave them. And that's, that's the, why I say you, have a point system that does not equate to a person's self-worth because they're more than just that sexual act. This is a whole person. You're emotionally manipulating this person just so that you can have sex with them and then to leave them high and dry just because you can, just because you felt as though your sexual desires were so strong that it doesn't matter how, what you, what, wreck you leave that person in and the game is played by men and women so let's let's be clear about that because i know some some women who literally said oh you know what i'm gonna dog, dog these niggas out like they be dogging us out and i get i get where that hurt comes from i get why you need to do that but figure out why you're hurt and figure out how you can avoid that nigga that you're referring to that hurt you back in the past that make you want to do this so that you can do better. And for the men who's been dogged by women, deal with your hurt so you can figure out 
why exactly you were hurt and then do better with your lives. Because this is something I had to tell a student of mine in the past. You're going to be out here focusing on dogging these people out just because this one girl hurt, hurt you so bad that when you meet that one person who challenges you, who brings so much worth to you, you're so focused on trying to find the trick to find the, oh, when is she going to, you know, like dog me out like that old girl did 20 or so years ago, that she's going to leave you. And within months, within weeks, within days, you're going to realize that you fucked up something good and you will never get that back. All because you wanted to play these damn games. So what he's saying, y'all, is to stop perpetuating the negativity and to find out why and, and, and to stop being willing to be so damn childish. I agree with you on that. The games people play, just be about what you're about, you know, or as it says in the Hebrew Bible that the Lord is not mocked whatsoever man sow, that also will he reap. So you can't play these games and twist these people's hearts and just make people a number and another body count. Oh, that was just meaningless sex. I just fucked them. It was whatever. That person didn't mean anything to me. And then you think one day is going to come where you're going to settle down and have you a nice, happy relationship. No, bitch, your dirt coming back to you at some damn point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, for some reason, hard. it's coming fast and hard. And so within this breakdown of the game, you separated the roster, though, and you wanted the roster to be different. You gave it its own chapter. And I found it. I don't, let me see. I don't know if I, quite curious, interesting and titillating. And I don't really have the exact word for it, but you use a basketball game, the way basketball players are positioned to, to reference this. I don't know this fucking much about sports. I have to say, sir, I'm gonna call you sir in this moment that I am very like impressed that you know what, like, uh, I'm not expecting that you like wouldn't know, but at the same time, I don't talk to very many people who know what like a point guard is and all this. I'm all like, I didn't know you had all this shit going on on the basketball court. And so <laughs> tell us what a roster is and how you related basketball. <laughs> so I, I have to, I have to be completely honest. I don't know a lot about basketball, but I do know small forward in a point guard. That's all. That's that's pretty much the gist of my basketball lingo. Uh, <laughs> and I also refuse to look at football because it's way too many positions. And if anybody's trying to have a football roster, look more fucking power to you if you could have that many niggas on your fucking team. Oh my god, I, I cannot. <laughs> my my roster might just be a couple golf niggas. I, I don't. Uh, but yeah. Basketball is a little bit more relatable, but like in terms of like building the roster, it's just figuring out who these people are that you are wanting to engage with on an ongoing basis. And also knowing what you're looking for in these people. Like if you're out here dating and you're dating multiple people just to figure out what it is that you like or what it is that you want in a relationship, you can utilize like the same structure to figure that out. Who do I have a great connection with in terms of communication? Is this person going to be the person I talk to on, the, on a regular basis to see how that goes? Or if you just want somebody who has a high sex drive that can match your energy because you also have a high sex drive, you can make that person your point guard because you look, you know this is somebody you can always have. 
this is somebody that you can have sex with on a regular basis. You can get that energy out while you are pursuing what other things that you're looking for. Do you want somebody who's going to be a cuddle buddy? If that's it, because you want that physical connection where you can either talk to that person, watch movies with that person, but not have anything romantic in that, go for it. If it's just somebody that you can go out to eat lunch with, do it. Like figure out who it is who you are as a person, what you like, and what you look for in a partner. Even if those same people that's on your roster uh, are fully aware that they're not going to be involved in anything romantic with you, that you're not looking to date them long-term, look, they know that at the beginning. That's the important thing about the roster. And that's another reason why I split the chapters up is because here discussing the game, you're figuring out all the childish things, what being anonymous is, working in the realms of anonymity of wherever this relationship is supposed to be. We just talking. We're not dating. We're just fucking. We're not dating. We're but you know, you're doing all the boyfriend things. <laughs> but you're not trying to give me that that title. All all within the game. Deal with your insecurities, fam. But it's like that's part of the reason why I had to separate it so that you can understand this over here, this mentality is completely different from what you can be out here doing, which is respecting the people that you're be choosing to be intimate with, that you're choosing to get to know and who you are, well, you know, in the long run, deciding who you want to be with in a partnership, either it be with one person or multiple. I appreciate the roster and the effort <clears throat> that it takes to put one together, you know, so a roster is a list of people who you value and you see them as more than just a piece of flesh, you know, whereas the game is about, as they say, this is meaningless sex or this didn't mean anything. It really burns me up when people toss around sex. Like, I don't think it's ever meaningless. If you take your body, which is a priceless instrument that God gave you, even if you don't believe that God gave you, you only get one in a lifetime. If you don't believe it, you know, in anything spiritual, you only get one damn body. And so to say that you're going to take your body, allow someone else to do whatever with it, or you do to someone else, whatever, sex always goes both ways. It's not just one person doing something to someone else. And to come out of that and say, well, that didn't mean anything. Or, you know, you, you know, I just, that just really, really fucking angers me. Mm -hmm. And the effort, even with the roster, as positive intended as it is, I want to challenge people to put this same amount of energy that we put into fucking finding people to have sexual encounters with into our mental health and into our spiritual health. So in mental health, we talk about all, you know, all the time as we have in this show about why this is needed and necessary, hiding from our pain and stuff and how it comes out. You know, we put so we spent so much time on these apps, so much damn time in and out of people's houses. We fucking I've done it before, you know, going back, you know, I was fucking a part time job working 40 hours a week and fucking 30 hours a week <laughs> you know, to include doing all the research and everything like that. You know, so I want to challenge people, particularly, though, about spiritual growth. So say you do believe in God or whatever entity or deity, I want you to be sure that you are growing. And yes, yeah, spiritual growth is not yours. The grand is up to God when he grows you, but you could at least reach out for him harder and harder. So what I'm saying is this, if this year you, you praying maybe like 
a couple of seconds whenever you think about it every now and then and you blow in the dust off your Bible maybe once or twice every three months. Maybe next year you could might maybe pray for like 15 minutes, two or three days a week and maybe actually read the Bible for five minutes once a month. And then maybe the next year you maybe add a little bit more prayer time and Bible time. I'm saying that's just an example, but whatever works for you, find some quantifiable way to know that every year you're trying harder to get closer to God. And so what I'm saying is we can make all this plan, spend all this money to go and fuck, you know, why can't we go after God just as aggressively? I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Like the, like you said, the amount of energy we put into just to engage in sex and we just forget about everything else within our lives. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, Just imagine how beneficial it would be for somebody to focus more on their own individual personal growth versus who's going to be in my bed tonight. And remember, y'all, we, I came, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and remember, y'all, Vernon and I are telling you these things are not mutually exclusive. You can have your roster and be a sex positive person. But also have your positive mental health and your strong spiritual life too. We're telling you, they said in my in, in my in my movie, I love so much road trip, bitch. You really can have it all. You can. But don't you leave really God, but don't leave God on the shelf until you need him for something. Because nobody likes to be called upon just when a motherfucker wants some shit from them. Mm-hmm. Now unless they consent it to it, because look, I do have my regular. look and just so y'all the uh, podcast can because i I do bring them up on my show but it's like even with that situation it's like we've communicated that this is not going to be anything romantic this is just going to be mainly sexual they don't like he don't like me to go into his personal life so i don't go into it where if there's a message that is introduced between him or me it is okay. How you doing? What's your availability looking like? When are we going to be able to hook up? And that's pretty much it. That's it. And guess what? Life is good. Let it be good then. So I mentioned that we both mentioned like the dating apps. I just wanted to drop a warning on people about those, you know, about these. So just be careful when you're going in and out of people's houses that you don't know. There's the disease factor. Yes. Cause you know, when people, people don't really tend to brag about the bad experiences they have on dating apps, all of your friends and everybody want to make it seem like it's always a good experiences. They pounding all the ass and getting all the pussy and getting all the dick and everything's great. What I've observed is that when people get diseases and shit like that on these apps, they either keep fucking and don't tell nobody, or if it gets serious, they'll just disappear and go and tend to their health and not say anything. Or if they show up to somebody's house and they get robbed or jacked up some type of way, they won't tell you, you know? So sometimes when the, you've seen that guy in that square for months, you know, you have your regulars on these apps and suddenly they're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some shit didn't went down. So I'm just reminding y'all be safe. You know, be careful about going to people's houses you've never met before. They could have cameras set up. They could have motherfuckers waiting. I'm not saying get paranoid, but I'm just saying, understand you don't know them. <laughs> you right. 
you're right you got to vet motherfuckers you have to you have to vet the people that you're planning on hooking up with all the time actually and one of the things that i used to do is like if i you know somebody's like oh can you scoop me up or whatever i'm like okay cool but i don't stop i do not stop my vehicle until i see a person that i like look this person kind of they look like that person that i'm supposed to be picking up okay but my vehicle does not stop i would do a full circle and come right back around and scoop your ass up but my vehicle does not stop for nobody because y'all not pulled up on this degree no <laughs> we don't play that <laughs> but like you really do have to think about your safety on these apps your safety is always important and keep that a priority regardless of how fine the person is Again, so much effort we put into busting a nut and or to having positive sexual experiences on whatever level that may be, whatever level mm -hmm. of them. And yeah, because a lot of these, some of these, some of these people who have like, say, done these mass shootings and a lot of these like straight identifying men who molest children are actually like hot. You know, like they're not, you know, some of them look like I totally would have gotten dick from them, but they like fucking crazy too. So <laughs> like, it's not mm -hmm. all about a look. So, okay. So then the last thing I wanted to talk about. So in chapter seven, you break down how to actually be a, a hoe, an HOE. So without giving too much away, I want you to, to give like a synopsis of, you know, what it means to actually, what, it, what are some of the steps someone would take to actually become a hoe? And then I want you to tell us your definition of yourself as a hoe. So, you know, I'm going to give two definitions, the one from the book and then my own personal definition. But I will say the, the synopsis of becoming a hoe is working on yourself. Understand your mental health, understand your sexual health, understand your physical health, understand all aspects of yourself. And then, you know, going out there and enjoying yourself like who are you and who are you in sexual spaces what is it the things that you find pleasure in what is your sexual wants what are your sexual needs what is it that you want with every single sexual encounter when you figure that out there you go welcome to welcome to being a hoe now in terms of the book just give that definition out there a hoe is a noun it's an adjective it's a verb so keep that in mind, people. But I'm just going to read the, the now. A hoe is any individual, regardless of gender identity, who chooses to live a sex-positive lifestyle free of the judgment and shame of outside influencers and embraces and owns the full extent of their sexuality. So you have that. So if you feel as though that you've met that requirement, Hey ho, how you doing? Love to love to have you. Love to meet you. I, I love hoes. Me and hoes get get along very well. <laughs> now, in terms of myself and my holiness, it is all about being sexually free and open, and just not feel ashamed of being who you are, and having conversations with people about what you want, and taking ownership of. If you're looking to be in my bedroom, and you think that I'm going to accept less than then you might as well not even come because you don't need to be here. I can have sex with myself and it would definitely be better than what you're going to bring. And that's it. You better work. <laughs> so, so I just wanted to point it to, out to everyone that my boy here also 
wrote a poetry book that he kind of snuck in to the book, kind of like how a song artist would do like that bonus track at the end of the CD. And after the last main track plays, if you let the CD keep rolling, then this whole other song would pop up out the fuck nowhere and you know where the hell it came from. And so this book is called Prose from a Soul Seeking Justice. In the electronic world, it's a separate book on Amazon, which I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. It's only $2.99. I might as well scoop it up. And then if you get the print version, then you get how the essential God of how to be a hell plus the prose from a soul seeking justice poetry book all together. And I'm going to put the links for all of that in the show notes as well. So I want to let y'all know Vernon is a poet too. And, and I look forward for, to more creative works from you in the future. So thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I'll let you have the last word. So let the Lord use you. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me and definitely y'all, I recommend to every person get the printed version. And I like how you say, you know, artists doing, you know, a little bit extra something there with do plan on doing an audio book and within that audio book, because I love experiences. I love giving my audience a fucking experience. I am planning on doing a little bit, something extra with the audio book. And I'm not going to include any other readings of the poems. So I, look, I wrote those for other people to get their own messages. Y'all need to get the reading from Bernie. I know that's how you're supposed to read poetry from the artists themselves, but you know, fuck it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But yeah, so that's coming up. And even just to mention that that was a journey through trauma, journey through growth, and a journey through just finding myself and finding happiness for that those the poems but if you out here you want to be a hoe definitely get the book but dig deep into who you are figure out who you are as a sexual being enjoy it love yourself own who you are find your own self-worth and do not accept less than anything from anyone who cannot afford you and that's my message to everybody Thank you all so much for taking time to listen to the Sex, Drugs, and Jesus podcast. It really means everything to me. Look, if you love the show, you can find more information and resources at sexdrugsandjesus.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. Feel free to reach out to me directly at Devannon, sexdrugsandjesus.com, and on Twitter and Facebook as well. My name is Devannon, and it's been wonderful being your host today. And just remember that everything is going to be all right.